0: Uh,
1: good evening. Hope you're having a busy uh, week. Happy Halloween! Uh, welcome back to the Hollywood Girl and Wrath Show. This is Elizabeth Milan.
2: This is Mike McDaniels.
1: And we would like to welcome you to our Halloween special. Uh, excuse me, to our Halloween special uh, for 2021. Uh, so last year, what we did is uh, we we spoke briefly about a couple of films that we had been watching, and I shared a story with you. But this year, uh, Mike and I have uh, stories. You know, Mike will also be narrating a story for us. Uh, He will begin. Uh, And so uh, we're going to start. Uh, So, okay, Mike, uh, what story do you have for us?
2: Well, it's a very interesting story that I've well, you told me about it and I actually started looking into it and even listen to some testimonies about the person. Uh, The person I'm talking about is Zachary King. You probably don't know who this is. Uh, He was once a former Satanist that has converted to, I don't know how you say it, but uh, Catholicism, Catholicism,
1: Catholicism, yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, Well, there was some weird stuff that I've listened to his testimony about, and a lot of it has shocked me and actually pretty spooky.
1: (laughs) Wow, very interesting. So, yeah, uh, tell us more about it.
2: Well. Well. He has written some novels that are very controversial, but talk about his past. He also had said and claimed that he was once part of the World Church of Satan, which I've never heard of in my entire life. Hmm. Yeah, the books he had written. uh, one One of them was called Satan Loves Me, He Loves Me Not. And the other one was called Abortion is a Satanic Sacrifice.
1: Wow, this may come as a shock for some of the people who actually are in favor of abortion.
2: Yeah, I would never be in, you know, part of that at all. Like, nope, sorry, it's just wrong.
1: Yes, it is quite wrong.
2: Yeah, um, and how he became a Satanist—he got in at a very young age, uh, due to—and this is a shocker because he was actually a victim of sexual abuse and sexual assault by a female teacher who was once part of a satanic coven. Hmm. Yeah, and because of her, he is also a victim of child pornography for quite a few years.
1: Yeah, I mean, we always hear about this stuff, but we never, like... um we never expected to come from educators or teachers. You know, it's always some uh, random pedo who contacts kids online and stuff.
2: That is true. Um, and it's very odd because I had looked through so many things and even listened to his testimony um, that he was also claiming to be part of a member, oh, well, pl- claiming to be a member of. This group called Bohemian Grove. Mhm.
1: Yeah, very related to the cult.
2: Yeah, and if you know Bohemian Grove, just look it up. It's some weird cult that gathers all year round. I don't know why.
0: Mhm.
2: And he even had taken part in some some uh, satanic rituals that included children and even young infants and babies
1: yeah so it was kind of like sra you know satanic ritual abuse then he was encouraged to partake in abortions right
2: yes he he was encouraged to do it and even you know what do you call it He, he had apparently said that he can tell at the time if an object can be used to cast a spell if it would be powerful or not
1: yes and since he was uh you know he was initiated into a satanic kind of coven as a kid then you can imagine how powerful he would be as an adult knowing about spells and objects and all that
2: mm-hmm. he even worked as a high wizard that carried out abortions and did spell work for people who came to him
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, most likely powerful people, as it is always the case.
2: Yeah, and I looked this up, and it's completely odd about him that when he was very young, uh, I forgot what age he said, but apparently he had asked for the dark forces for something, and these dark forces would always bring him money or leave him money behind.
1: Yeah, I believe it was the part of of his uh, money rituals that he would engage in, right? That he wanted to see if it was still working. Uh, First, he found like, I, I think this is what I remember. He said that he first found like $15 on the floor. And since this was back in the 70s, then he realized that he could buy a lot of stuff for $15 because uh, candy bars, comic books, and all of these items were actually really cheap, even less than a dollar, right? Like only a few cents.
2: Yeah. And I think it kept happening to him where then he had a question about it. Like, where, like, where's this money coming from? But it's part of the ritual and all these dark forces.
1: Right, yeah. It's very tough when you start getting into that.
2: Yeah, and It was was strange because as a kid, he also played at, you know, this one game everyone knows, uh, Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. And he believed the magic was actually real. Like, you could actually cast spells.
1: Yeah, which is very strange because uh, I believe, I mean, this is what I remember from the story, that uh, his parents were Baptists and he would ask them if... uh, about magic and they will say it wasn't real even though the bible mentions that magic is very real and that you're supposed to stay away from it right
2: mm-hmm. it's very real like if you see anyone like doing any kind of magic that's looking sadistic just run
1: right any any magic because you know there's two types of magic there's the word magic that is with the c where it's just like cheap card tricks or making a bunny appear uh in uh inside a hat or or stuff like that but you also have magic that ends with the k you know ck which is actual uh, satanic magic you know voodoo santeria those kind of rituals
2: yeah that's why i would stay away from stuff like that if i was any sane person in the world Mm -hmm. yeah very interesting story and it's very odd like this is what happened to him when he worked at a mall that he's talking about, you know, how he worked at a mall with his wife, and somehow he had ran into a devout Catholic woman who he had previously met and gave him a, I don't know, I think it's Mercurius or Miraculous uh, medal. Mm. Yeah, I'm sorry, I can't pronounce it, but, you know. So,
1: a uh, metal that, because, uh, I mean, this is what Catholics believe in, right? That some of their items or statues and all that are actually miraculous.
2: Or, like, part of miracles and, you know, materialists. Yeah, because,
1: uh, right, yeah, because um, I think the difference between uh, Catholics and Christians is, like, Christians, you know, we just believe in God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, but Catholics, for some reason, believe that the saint, you know, like, uh holy mary even the apostles you know the good apostles obviously judas iscariot would not be considered a saint but uh you know apostles uh latter latter day saints i mean not related to mormonism but you know other saints who came much later um, you know after the apostles had been gone Uh, mm-hmm. so you know obviously saint paul or um for the mexicans you know you have san ignacio and all, all kinds of saints. Uh, so basically Catholics consider these as in, intermediaries, you know, kind of like in the same level as Jesus. Like if you pray to them or if you hold like a, a statue or a medal or anything related to the same, this saint will be able to uh, kind of like uh, speak to God on your behalf and make that miracle happen. I mean, this is what I understand about Catholicism.
2: Yeah. And believe it or not, when he said he can see if the item is powerful or not he took the uh the metal which he had seen some visions after had taken a hold of it where he no longer saw them all and everything had disappeared except for himself and the woman who told him about his sins that he had committed in the past
1: oh okay so it was kind of like a like really vivid vision right except It wasn't a dream or anything. This was something that was actually happening. Yep. Mm -hmm. But I mean, as Zachary King, how did he get into all this? I mean, how was he was he recruited into the the satanic coven or uh, how did he start with all this?
2: Uh, He was actually recruited after, I guess, the teacher who had abused him had told him about it.
1: Mm-hmm. But uh, it all started with him playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons and Bloody Mary, right?
2: Yes, Th- that's how it started. And then he was very interested.
1: And I mean, like, you know, this is the 70s. So obviously, there's no Facebook or, you know, there's no way for you to interact with people online, because none of this existed. But he uh, did he find people with common interests that maybe had that took part in leading him into joining this uh coven
2: well some of the people that were considered like the high wizards you know the leaders and all them uh in a way yeah and they also got him into many disgusting rituals that are very unspeakable but we can talk about it because it's our show
1: yeah, I mean, uh, as part of our show, we anything goes, we can talk about everything. But uh, how did he get in touch with all of these adults who are practicing witches and warlocks at a satanic coven? Did he have a friend that knew them? or?
2: Uh... Uh, well, as I said before, it was the, uh, the abusive sexual assault from the teacher that she had recruited him and brought him to them to show that hey you know we can help you with this if you do this
0: oh
1: I see so so what what happened is that he um he talked about the abuse and that he saw that the teacher there that she was part of the coven right and maybe yeah. that's how he got uh recruited into doing child pornography
2: yeah for a few years I think he did it until about 16 or 17 years old because he looked a little too old. So they said, okay, you don't have to do that anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. So basically, they fooled him into doing it, right? He said that he would get the power back that he lost when he was abused by the teacher. And that, uh, so yeah, he got fooled into doing all this uh, kiddie pun, basically.
2: Yeah, except he wasn't doing horrible things to a kid, it was things done to him.
1: Mhm. right
2: and he even described that when being part of that uh the coven i would say um he had performed some actually satanic ritual abortions inside of abortion clinics
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah I, I i think i heard him mention this where he says that uh there may be satanists everywhere especially when there's kids around like in um you know boy scouts organization if they want to sexually abuse kids and that's a good place to start but if they just want to kill a bunch of babies then working at places like Planned Parenthood will be the ideal job for a Satanist wanting to kill babies right
2: yeah for me I would never want to work at any place like that it, it would just freak me out
1: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't work at a slaughterhouse where they kill animals, let alone work at a place where they kill babies. You know, it's just disgusting in every level.
2: Uh, More than just disgusting, it's, how do we say, uh, just morally wrong? And whoever does stuff like that, I'm sorry, you have a disgusting, horrible mind and, you know, (laughs) God help you.
1: Yeah, but, um, you know, before all of this happened, uh, how was the uh, his initiation ritual like?
2: Um, They actually forced him to get naked and wear a white, uh, I don't know what they call it.
1: A white robe?
2: Kind of like a robe in a way, and where he had to be initiated by their high priest or high priestess. I don't know what they call them. That's why I'm glad I'm not going to be joining stuff like that.
1: Yeah. So after he put puts on the white robe, what else does he have to do to get initiated?
2: Um, I believe he has to f- perform a sexual act with a like a member, like a higher member that's of the opposite sex.
0: Oh, I see.
1: And that, uh, but I think he also mentioned something about him cutting himself and signing up a paper right saying that he was selling his soul and that he had yes great also the ritual of breaking the cross right
2: yes it, it also that so it's like two things they have to do which I don't know why they would do that to begin with mm-hmm.
1: and if I'm not mistaken I think he also mentioned that when he was wearing the white robe he would get into a bathtub with when there's like um human blood and urine and animal blood right he would have to be yeah all these belts and then come out and instead of wearing the white robe he will wear the the black robe right and so saying that he was officially the uh, satanist that the ritual of the cross i believe it involved um a wheel with a cross and with the christ you know kind of like a catholic cross and then he have to break it uh, yeah. break the cross you know breaking the the arms of the uh crucified christ in the cross and make kind of like a peace sign because if you look at it it, it does kind of look like a peace sign, right? When you put the upside down cross and you break it downwards.
2: Yeah, it, it does look in a way you're just missing the circle for it.
1: Yeah. So do you think uh, there's a relation between the peace sign and uh, Satanism?
2: I believe like if you look at the symbols, like if you look at them identically, you might be able to see it.
1: Wow, that's that's bad. <laughs> As, I mean, you know how New Agers and a bunch of Christ deniers are always using the peace sign is mostly a hippie thing, right? Because the hippies were the ones who introduced the sign. But, you know, uh, I guess that's why they say ignorance is bliss, because uh, when you learn so much about one thing that you like, but then you realize that it's bad, then you just want to stay away from it.
2: Yeah. And with the uh, the organization that he was part of, the World Church of Satan, they have Another name that they go by, uh, Satan's World Church. But mm. so what does
1: this, uh, what does the Satan World Church do?
2: Mainly, it was satanic ritualistic abortions and sexual acts.
1: But you said he was also invited as a high wizard to Bohemian Grove, right? So, so what did the men do here?
2: Well, I looked up about all this information about Bohemian Grove, apparently they do weird rituals, many to like bring towards the end of the world or many other disgusting things that we do not know about.
1: Mm -hmm. But do they do any rituals? uh, Like, uh, do they kill any people or animals? Because I mean, there's a lot of rumors about Bohemian Grove, but according to your, your your research, what have you found?
2: Well, we found out, and in fact, I've looked into it a bit more, but I don't know if I got all the pieces right. Uh, with Bohemian Grove, when it comes to the the rituals, I've heard most of them are animal sacrifice. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think there's a ritual called Cremation of care. Did you find uh, what this ritual was all about?
2: Um, I barely heard about it, and I couldn't get any information on it, but uh, I could probably look into it.
1: Yeah, and did uh the Zachary King see any prominent figures at Bohemian Grove that he mentioned, like maybe presidents or celebrities, anyone that he talked about uh, during maybe, his testimony?
2: Many, like you know, those uh, we call them the top one percenters, where they're like socialites and billionaires, you know, even former world leaders.
0: Oh, he saw
1: world leaders too. Uh, so, any U.S. presidents there?
2: Um. And it's, it's shocking, really, because I think this happened, like, what, in the 70s? We might we might know. We might not know. Uh, I don't remember the name of the president, to be honest. Like, yes,
1: Wasn't I, it Richard Nixon?
2: I believe it was Nixon. I, I think I heard that part in his testimony because his testimony is actually on YouTube. If you guys want, check it out. Just put Zachary King testimony and you'll get all the info. Yeah.
1: He comes out in the Josh Tully show where uh, he talks about all the things he saw during Bohemian Grove. He mentioned Richard Nixon, like saying that he just wanted to get out of there because he was not comfortable being there. And he also saw Ronald Reagan. And then he made some homophobic comments about uh, Bohemian. I think that was the Uh, first time he was there and the last because he was not comfortable there at all and uh, I believe he also said that he looked at him weird right because of the makeup and the clothes that he was wearing as a high priest Um, high wizard oh high wizard yeah
2: yeah and I you know when I looked into that and hearing about that Nixon and even Reagan were part of that I'm like okay no wonder why they were Terrible people to begin with. Yeah, yeah, they were, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, they're, they're, we they were two the- of the worst presidents there. Yeah, yeah, they were part of the ungodly, most vile group that goes to this one area in the woods, hides out for who knows how long, and then comes out, pretty much completely different and more sadistic.
1: Yeah, it's like they went through a brainwashing process in order for them to become a president.
2: Yeah, and I never liked Nixon, even though I was not born back then. I never liked Reagan to begin with, even though I was never born, because I've heard all the shit they have done, and they caused the damage to this country.
0: Mm-hmm, that's true.
2: But, you know, back to King, you know, like Zachary King, um, luckily he's no longer part of that Satanic coven, because after this uh, devout Catholic woman had reportedly said to him, the blessed mother is calling you into her army. Mm -hmm. And after he had taken that medal and, you know, it terrified him because he thought it was some form of magic. He decided and changed his life around to convert into Catholicism. And he's now a minister and an author.
1: Now even his wife is Catholic too, if I'm not mistaken,
2: yeah, it says that she is
1: uh, right um and but yeah, he said it uh the encounter with this woman was strange at first because uh she uh first he rolled his eyes thinking that she was gonna mission like that she was gonna give him like a Bible tract or talk to him about Jesus and all that, but he thought that he didn't have the chance to turn to Jesus because as a kid during his initiation ritual, he was told that he was giving up his right as, you know, to seek assistance from Jesus. So, uh, and then when she mentioned the part about the blessed mother, he was very, uh, he was puzzled, right? Because he's like, oh, who is she talking about? Gaia, Isis, uh, like he thought she was talking about a goddess, right? Because as a Satanist, or even as a Christian, you never learn anything about a holy woman. This is something that is done in uh, Catholicism with Mary, but it's also done in paganism with all these uh, goddesses. So that was another thing. But but how did this whole uh, thing with that lady, was he still a high wizard when this happened to him?
2: Uh, Yes, but he was currently working at a mall when this whole event happened that changed life forever.
1: Did he run away from a uh, Satan World Church in order for him to start working? Uh,
2: uh well, actually, he uh, abandoned the uh, the Satanic World Church and decided to go on his own and go to the Catholic Church to seek these answers.
1: Uh, yeah. So, oh, so he abandoned it. Oh, wow. So. But I mean, I heard it's really hard for people to abandon a satanic coven. So how was he able to do it?
2: Nobody knows, but him and you know, I I say you know what, he's got balls to leave them. You know,
1: so he kind of found a way, like a loophole, right? He found a way to get out without anyone noticing. I guess.
2: I guess you know he he you know, he's got serious stones that he did that. That's why you know.
1: Hey,
2: bless and him.
1: On. Right. I believe he also he also mentioned the state of Vermont. Right. He said that if you move there, that per law the state is uh, is prohibited from sharing any of your private information with whoever is requesting it. Like, if you have like a really good job there and you move out of the state, then it'll be hard for the uh, your potential new employer to verify that, right? Since the state is not authorized to release your information.
2: Yeah, it's, it's kind of like that in a way. That's why every state, when they have that law of saying, hey, we can't release information, that, that's a good thing. So he's somewhat protected in a way.
1: And Yeah, he also said that if you ever want to run away from something or someone that is, um, it's a good thing to move to Vermont, right?
2: Yeah, so he's kind of free from that. And not also is he part of the, uh, the, the Catholic faith. He currently runs this... Um, it's called the all saints ministry
1: mm, wow so imagine that going from uh, satan satan world church and then uh, going to uh, you know starting a ministry you know
2: yeah and that's a good thing you know like say you, you had left a religion you don't feel comfortable with and mm-hmm. you join into another religion but then you start your own church to like help people and say, hey, you know what? I got help from this church. They can help you, too, if my church is not enough.
1: Right. So, yeah, interesting story with uh, Zachary King.
2: Uh-huh. So At
1: least, at least um, nobody. I mean, he wasn't killed for it because, you know, there's many cases in which former Satanists leave their covens or their churches, whatever it is they're involved in. And they end up dead.
2: Yep, he's still alive, though, and that's a great thing, because he joined the uh, Catholic Church in 2008.
1: Wow, so imagine that he was a Satanist from uh, the 1970s when he was a kid, and then he became a Catholic in the um, early, uh, well, the late 2000s, I should say.
0: yeah.
2: yeah so, so yeah, anything else you'd Zachary. like to share about Zachary King um that's all I could find on him but you know what I what I shared is spooky but it's not as spooky as what you have to you know put out there so
1: yeah you know? because uh you know uh Uh, Our testimonies, you know, uh, the stories about these testimonies that we have to share have a lot in common, because as you just heard, Zachary King was a boy who was initiated into a satanic coven in the 70s when he was a kid. Well, something similar happened to the person I'm about to speak to. Uh, I know a lot of you may not have heard of him unless you are Mexican and happen to listen to... Uh, this horror uh, radio show uh, that is now um, that is now finished, unfortunately, uh, called uh, La Mano Peluda. So if you remember that show, then then you may have listened to this testimony because he was there along with the person who assisted assisted him in getting out of the situation. And I'm sorry, before I continue, uh, are you able to hear me okay, Mike? Yes. Okay, perfect. Yeah, because... As you know, we're doing everything from home still. So my mom's in the background uh cooking, so she's um, working on the blender right now. So before I start, you know, when I, when I mentioned that some people are unable to get out of those situations and that they end up dead is because something similar happened to uh, an acronym, you know. Think of this as uh, the actor who plays Barney joining a coven and then getting killed. That's what happened because this guy, he played the role of a bee. Not, not the bumblebee from uh, The Simpsons. You know, I'm not talking about that guy. It was this other bee character. He ended up being a satanic priest. So he was very into the whole Satanism thing. And he ended up dying because he left Satanism to become a Christian. So... That's why I say that not a lot of people are uh, blessed enough to uh, get out of a situation like this.
2: Wow! So it's kind of like a uh, like a very what do you call it? A very real thing that you're mentioning.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely real. You know, it's as real as the uh, Zachary King testimony that you just talked about. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and start with the Caesar Netali story. Uh, he begins by saying that evil exists at, every, at very high levels. Uh, people see evil as fictional in a way since it is, um, it is heard of in uh, narrated stories or even seen in books or movies. But he reiterates that evil is real. Uh, He had problems seemingly related to health. Uh, He was seen by doctors and people of science who would scratch their heads wondering what was wrong with him. Uh, He also uh, he was also assisted by a pastor in Mexico named Hugo Alvarez. Um, It all started during his uh, childhood. Uh, His family told him he was an unwanted child. Uh, The eldest son in his family died and then his second brother was born which is uh, his oldest brother now. Therefore, uh, he was the baby, you know, the baby brother. Um, His mother did all that he could uh, to trigger an abortion. You know, she didn't want her baby. But he says that he was born by the grace of God, you know, because his mother did everything she could. Like she would take herbal teas, you know, anything that would trigger an abortion. But still, the baby was not aborted. Uh, His life was nothing but suffering, and his parents got divorced when he was five, and after that, the boys would move out to live with different relatives on both uh, the father and mother's side of the families, and then they moved in with some relatives on his mother's side with his maternal grandmother and some male cousins who were around 17 or 18 years old at the time. Uh, so this is how uh, the living arrangement for them. His brother, uh, you know, his older brother slept in his grandma's room and he slept in the same bed with his male cousins, you know, um, when he was only five years old. So he was a very small boy when he was sleeping with his cousins and he noticed they started touching him inappropriately. <clears throat> Imagine going through this being caused by your own family. And this was uh, for a while, because after that, they, they would tie him up and gag him and rape him. You know, uh, his childhood was destroyed and the abuse was hard to forget. You know, so he was very resentful with his cousins, saying that uh, they were paid for them for what they did to him. And yeah. He wanted Yeah. He wanted revenge and he would hate and curse them and do all that. And uh, he. He was, uh, However, he was threatened by his cousins that if he said anything, his brother would, would get beat up by them, you know, because um, his brother was only a few years older than him and they were already uh, 17, 18. So, you know, in what situation he was on. So that's why he never said anything. Uh, then one day uh, his father arrived and his brother were given the choice of moving with him or their mother. And since the older brother chose the father, then he followed him, you know, because he loved his uh, brother very much and he wanted to be with them. And <clears throat> he said he demanded love from his father, but unfortunately, he couldn't treat him as he wanted since his father grew up in a home where he didn't have any affection. And now he understands that he couldn't demand love from a father who had no love, you know?
0: And <clears throat> yeah.
1: And then he skips forward to the time in which he completed uh, elementary school. Uh, He and his family moved to a city close to Mexico City where it all started. Uh, He never thought he would live such a horrible story since he didn't know things like this happened in Mexico. He believed they would only occur in other countries or in fictional stories. Uh, This happened uh, with a person he saw outside of school he later learned that occultists and Satanists infiltrate their members in elementary schools, junior highs, high schools, and even colleges to recruit young people and offer them drugs to later initiate them into Satanism, you know. So this is kind of similar to the testimony you gave about Zachary King.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, this man, he saw said that he was a teacher, you know, so he lied to him. Uh, he noticed this uh, strange man would give him the father he loved that he always wanted because he could call uh, he would call him son you know like uh, I, I believe he also mentioned an instance in which when he first spoke to him like he didn't introduce himself or anything he just called him by his name and that was very strange because he was like how does this guy know my name you know i've never spoken to him or anything mm-hmm. uh, but but you know the fact that he called them son you know this yeah. world, the word uh, son would captivate him because he was a boy who grew up without any love at all, you know, because he was living with different relatives and all that. Uh, this man told him that he would help him with his studies, but little did he know that this man was actually a satanic priest. But um, back then, he saw him as the father he always wanted, and he went to this man's house. Uh, he later learned. In this, uh, in this place, full-blown Satanism was practiced. Uh, other boys were recruited and block packs were made. Uh, mm-hmm. Many say a block pack with Satan cannot be broken, but he later learned that those packs can be broken with Jesus, you know, as we all know. Yeah. Uh, he, he showed him his fake love. Uh, the boys who were recruited all had problems, you know? So surprise, surprise, every kid who got recruited into this uh, shit places had problems, So. You had had kids there who were homeless, children of broken marriages, victims of physical abuse, uh, you know, so all these kids had problems. None of them were boys who could say they lived in a in a home in which their parents actually loved them, you know, Uh, and they were all. Uh, so this was a coven, uh, and they were they were all boys in this coven. So, when he entered, he was eleven years old, and the other ones were like sixteen and seventeen. So it was like for like preteen and teenage boys. And he also said there were satanic covens for women, others for married couples, and you also had gay and lesbian covens as well, in which different rituals were practiced. Uh, He had the chance to be away from home as much as possible since his dad wouldn't pay attention to him nor his brother. His dad was so busy with his personal life, you know, that he even married up to five times. Uh, So he would arrive late at dawn and instead of scolding him, uh, he would just say, oh, just be careful, you know, like whatever you're doing, just be careful. That's all he would say to him. And sometimes uh, he wouldn't even arrive home, you know, he would stay uh, so somewhere else you know for the night and stuff yeah and on the first pack he made uh, the priest at his house made him drink from a jar with blood but this block looked coagulated you know kind of dark uh he didn't know if it was human or animal blood but he was able to tell that it was rotten and was most likely mixed with drug, uh, which makes me think that this could have been adrenochrome, you know, since this is a drug that is made with blood. Uh-huh. Uh the, He said the blood was tasteless But really stinky So he felt his brain uh, He felt that his brain warmed up in a way And also felt strict, you know In his body uh, He kind of felt kind of like turning into the Hulk You know, so it made him feel really strong So, so I think definitely This has some drugs in it uh, He said he didn't want to drink it At first, but he ended up doing it Because the priest threatened him Into doing it by saying uh, He knew where his father lived and where he worked and he also knew well his older brother went to school so he gave him a bunch of details about his life so he got really scared and that's why he drank it after this uh, let's see he continued to be with his teacher but he was disappointed because of the threat so he continued to follow him out of fear and he also wanted his fatherly love and after a few months he told him that the time for his uh, quote-unquote welcome was approaching. Uh, He was scheduled on a Sunday at 11 p.m. Uh, When he knocked on the door, another boy opened the door, and there were like more than 150 boys there approximately. Uh, When he got to know a couple of them, he felt great knowing there were other boys who suffered like him. Uh, They had a small get together with, you know, like flavored water, you know, like Jamaica and horchata and all that stuff Mm
0: -hmm.
1: uh, and sandwiches. So, yes, it was kind of like a kid's party, you know, like a normal kid's party. So he thought he was having an awesome welcome. He was taken down to a basement, which kind of looked like a cave. Uh, There was a small uh, round table in which he was laid down. Then they started removing his clothes. Uh, he refused at first, but then he was told by the satanic priest that this was part of his his initiation, you know, his welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, his arms and legs were open and he was tied up uh, to the table. Uh, the other um, so the other started bringing in animals, which they would cut open and the blood would pour down on him and they would like rub the blood all over his body then they brought a a baby you know and he said that the reason why these covens have access to all these babies is because I mean this is something that he says uh, a lot of you may not agree with it but he said these babies are conceived in lesbian covens and lesbians don't want children you know this is what he says but as we know uh, there are lesbians who do want children so this will be in this case they would just be the satanic lesbians who join these coven's you know uh-huh. so that's why all these babies are sacrificed and, and the baby is prepared for this ritual and he needs to be put in a trance because of the baby cries it, it ruins the ritual and in another instance he mentioned that the baby has to be only like a few days old. If the baby is already like a month old, then he wouldn't be. He or she would not be suitable for a ritual like this. So yeah.
2: That, that's uh, that's mm-hmm. like disturbing in a way, and you know, cults like that. I'm sorry. That's just fucking. Oh, I don't want to think about it.
1: Yeah, because imagine first they do it to animals, and then to a baby. It's just disgusting, you know it brings us back to uh the abortion aspect that Zachary King was mentioning so there's Uh a lot of parallels with these stories um and so he at first thought he this was a nightmare because he couldn't believe what he was seeing and uh, on top of that you know the advanced uh, students in this coven they started licking off the blood from his body Uh, Then he entered like in a trance, you know, and when he woke up, he was wrapped in a sheet and the kids congratulated him saying that he did great during the ritual. Uh, Nowadays, he believes evil spirits enter his body, so he was like demon possessed. He said he became unique in this coven since he was the only one who could interpret the dreams of the priest. Uh, he then went home and uh, returned to the coven out of fear since he was told there would be consequences if he didn't remain in the coven. Uh, other kids would stay there because they didn't have homes. Uh, he also did a blood pad with the priest uh, since they have uh, compatible blood types. He is Rh negative, you know, that's his blood type. And they did a procedure by using a cath- you know, a catheter similar to those you use in uh, blood transfusions. Uh, they gave him his blood and the priest, um, you know, so they exchanged blood basically. And um, they made him swear by giving up his soul to uh, Satan and that this pack will be broken. If this pack was broken, his life and the lives of his family members would be affected. Uh, he still has it yeah he still has a needle mark on his left hand since the people who injected him didn't know what they were doing you know because these are just kids you know they were not uh nurses or medical assistants or any of that so the vein kind of looks like greenish purplish kind of uh so uh, he made this pact and he would worship this guy like a god you know uh, Satan offered him power, which he wanted because he wanted to have his revenge against those who hurt him. You know, like I mentioned earlier, his cousins who sexually abused him. Uh, uh-huh. But yeah, in any case, he ended up escaping this place because he the um, because he realized that the this place was nothing but pure evil, right? Yeah. Um, it, it really, it, but this decision brought him really bad consequences, uh, which now affect them in his adult life. Uh, he turned 40 years old and he has never been married or had a girlfriend or anything. And people would think that he was gay because of that, you know, since they've never seen a girlfriend at least or anything. So, but then he tells them the story as to why he cannot be with someone, you know people understand and even apologize because of making those assumptions about him so when he escaped he got like rice you know he was like uh hitchhiking in a way and people he got different rice from different people in cars all the way to a northern state in mexico uh because he wanted to cross to texas uh so yeah because that's what that was his idea to escape by coming to the state uh, he wanted to cross the border to come to the States, but he made a mistake and accidentally took a bus at coming back. Uh, and then the, there appeared a truck, which was a truck that belonged to the coven, and uh, <clears throat> he was savagely beaten. And the reason why they found them is because uh, the coven received assistance from a couple of twins with Down syndrome who they, they had a, a like a special way of finding people using a pendulum, you know, with spells and all that. So that's how uh, they found people.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, he, uh, You know, since he tried to escape, that means he broke the pact and uh, he didn't know the consequences of breaking a pact. Uh, he realized he was, in, you know, uh, he woke up from uh, the beating and saw himself in what looked like a hospital bed. Uh, he saw vials with antibiotics and bandages uh, from his ribs all the way down to his knees but he was not pain below yeah he had pain below his stomach right and uh he was thinking that he probably got his ribs broken because of the beating and uh-huh. uh, he was uh, unconscious you know they used anesthetics on him uh, <clears throat> and it looked like he actually underwent a procedure um after a few days, he, they removed the cats, the antibiotics, you know, the medication and all that. And uh, they would treat him like a sick person. He was laying around. They would feed him. And they told him to go up to one of the rooms there in, in the cabin so that he could uh, take a shower. But he had to leave the bandages on, you know, uh-huh. yeah, for the shower. So then when uh, the bandages were wet, he started removing them. Uh, so... He found that uh, after he removed the bandages, he found out that his genitals had been uh, mutilated.
2: Oh, my God.
1: Yeah. So you could imagine his reaction. He screamed and cried. So nowadays, whenever he needs to urinate, he has to do it uh, sitting down. You know, he can't do it like uh, in a way which men would urinate. Yeah so he was horribly depressed and even tried to commit suicide several times so he injected himself with lots of things with rat poison and uh yeah so there's things that would typically kill you if you injected yourself with them but surprisingly he didn't die but uh, he did complain to those people and of course they told him that this was done because the pack was broken so now he advises kids not to mess with that because A lot of people that have been involved and try to get out ultimately, you know, are ultimately killed, like I mentioned earlier. Uh Uh, He said, don't join, even if you're curious to see what happens. Uh, He also said it was God's purpose to to keep him alive, and that's why he didn't succeed at killing himself despite the suicide attempts. So anyway, two years went by, and he turned 14. Uh, During his time, he and the other boys were taken to a satanic assembly in which many covens from Latin America would join. Uh, He said there was a satanic priest from Argentina speaking on the microphone uh what he said uh really surprised him because in the coven he was told that satan was the most powerful being and that he was god and all that so the argentine priest asked first uh who believes satan is the most powerful and then all the audience cheers saying they believe so but the priest said there is an all-powerful and that is jesus christ so imagine this being at a satanic uh assembly and having one of the high priests telling you that jesus christ is even more powerful than satan that's is highly unlikely but you know this is something that actually happened
2: yeah i say it's pretty ballsy if you say that in front of a satanist
1: yeah imagine saying that in front of thousands of satanists
2: oh i'll tell that priest run (laughs)
1: Yeah. So at that point, all the people were quiet, you know, that like you would think that they would start throwing things at him or cursing him or anything, but no, they just, they were just quiet and they couldn't believe what he was saying. So Caesar, you know, this boy, he couldn't believe someone uh, was more powerful than Satan, you know, because this is the it's that opposite of what he learned uh, during his life as a young boy. So he became interested in getting to know Jesus at this point, you know, like he's, he's saying that if someone's more powerful than Satan, then he wants to meet this person. So he ran from the coven a second time since they wanted to brand him uh, with the 666 in his back. So kind of like those hot iron brandings they use on cattle. So that's what they were doing to these boys in this coven.
2: Oh, that's just disgusting and horrible.
1: (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately, he was captured again, and his face was almost disfigured because of all the beating that he received. He was then taken to the same room in which he was initiated. He saw an adult person in that round table, so he thought there would be a sacrifice. So they grabbed him by the hair and dragged him towards the person at the table. Uh, He noticed this person was a woman. Uh, then he saw her face He realized this was his mother. Uh, he also noticed her tongue had been mutilated and he was able to tell that she was asking him for help, you know? Uh, he, he also noticed uh, she had been uh, raped because there was blood in her vagina. and This was very uh, sad because he said uh, whenever he saw her again, then he will tell her off because she abandoned him, but Deep down, he would always love her because he remembered uh, his time when he was a baby and she took care of him and all that. Uh So he bowed down to the satanic priest, asking him not to hurt her, not to hurt her anymore. He said he would do as they asked and promised he would not escape again. So the priest reminded him of the pact. He told them uh, to look at his left hand again, where, where he got the blood transfusion and it was reiterated that he would pay the consequences. Uh, so they dragged his face um to his mother's chest and she was cut uh she got her throat cut down, you know? Like the knife went downward cutting her open. Oh. Yeah, <clears throat> kind of like what you do in an autopsy, It says she was still alive when they did it. Shit. So <clears throat> he was covered in her blood and he passed out, but when he, he woke up, he was laying in a bed and he thought this was a nightmare, but then he went down to the ritual room and saw the table covered in blood. And so he realized that this was not a nightmare, that his mother was in fact uh, sacrificed. And uh, he also said he later found the solution to his problems in Jesus Christ, and he learned he was not a God nailed to a cross, that he would actually resurrected and was alive you know like uh like we believe as as christians
0: Mm -hmm.
1: uh so the person doing the interview you know the person interviewing caesar uh here uh he could not believe that more things uh there were more things that were happening to this guy you know you know because he suffered so much and he introduced uh pastor hugo alvarez you know the gentleman who assisted him with his uh, exorcism uh, because uh-huh. he had been listening, uh, his, uh, his testimony during this interview. So he reiter- reiterated that all the medical and psychiatrist tests that were done on him, uh, and uh-huh. Caesar would actually vomit up to a quarter of a bucket of blood, you know, and he wouldn't die, which in this case would be scientifically impossible, right? Because when you lose a lot of blood, you, you obviously die, right? Yeah. And he said that not only his mom, he would uh, throw out, he would vomit blood, but actually um, blood would also would also come out of his eyes and ears, and his arms and legs were torn up. You know, as as something that scratched them really bad, and yeah. they also. They also mentioned a video in which you could see uh, his exorcism. Uh, The host of the show later said uh, Pastor Alvarez is a supernatural investigator and one of the most important Mexican exorcists. Uh, The the host said this sounds like something taken out of a horror novel, but it's something that happened in real life. Uh, The pastor mentioned some recordings that have been seen in the U.S., Central America, and even Europe. It exposes the reality of these satanic practices, and it reminds him of, of the real exorcist case that occurred with to an American boy named uh, Douglas Deans. Uh, maybe a lot of you have heard of this case. Oh. You know, this is something that happened in the 40s. This is what inspired the movie of the exorcist. It actually happened to a boy named Douglas Deans. And he also mentioned the Emily Rose movie, which is also based on a real case. Uh, this case goes beyond what is seen in movies. Uh, people have been helped thanks to this testimony. And the pastor said uh, cases like this also involve issues related to drugs and many magic practices. Uh, he also mentioned the twins mentioned earlier, you know, the Down syndrome twins uh, had this uh, connection with evil spirits, you know, which helped. Uh, find Caesar again to capture him, you know, during those two instances in which he escaped. Uh Uh, The thing about these these covens in Mexico is that they are connected, you know, so when someone runs away, like Caesar did in this case, one coven can get in contact with another coven. And that is another way in which people find the runaways. Uh, even after his mother died, Caesar kept thinking about the all powerful God he, he heard of in that satanic convention. So he would pray to him, asking him to get him out of there. And uh, there were other boys there who, also, who were also afraid but could not speak among themselves out of fear that someone would tell and they would get punished. Uh-huh. Uh, so, but they basically felt they were being spied on all the time. Uh, however, uh, he ran away a third time, but he did it in a smart way since uh, this time, since he said he wanted to go to high school, he managed to get a transfer to Mexico City. But oh. since they didn't trust him, they had these two uh because of those two times that he ran away. Uh, two of the boys in the cabin would be assigned as his babysitters in a way to prevent him from running away again. Um he was looking for help on finding Jesus and moved in with some relatives. Uh, because he had some relatives living in Mexico City, so he would live with them. But he was supposed to return to the coven during weekends. Uh, he started high school. He uh, had all and when he started high school, he started having all this help uh, problems with vomiting blood. And uh, he wouldn't talk to this uh, to, his, uh, to his family. Like he wouldn't mention anything, uh, because uh, you know he was afraid that if he told them about the the and all that, that they would just throw him out of the house. But he noticed the root of, of his problems was the was the lack of love. Because he would have he would have grown up in a home in which he would have been loved. He wouldn't have fallen for the. Yeah, fake lies that this priest would give him, you know? And yeah. the strange thing about like vomiting blood was that he had no pain, you know, while he was because if you're bleeding, it usually is it is usually accompanied by pain, but he said he didn't have this, it was just the vomiting of the blood. And um wow. when his family first saw this, they thought he was faking it. He'd be, they'd be like, Oh, cut it out, you're just faking this. And then Uh, He was hospitalized in the beginning. He was diagnosed with uh, beginning stage uh, tuberculosis. And then he said that, uh, and then after that, once they noticed that it was not tuberculosis, they said that he um, he had an ulcer that had popped up, and that may have been the cause of the bleeding. Uh, He was provided the treatment for it, but then the doctors noticed that he was okay and that the first diagnosis was wrong. Uh, the ulcers had nothing to do with this since he continued to vomit blood. Uh, he wasn't to a clinic in which he was diagnosed with a uh, cerebral, you know, so th- they were saying, also oh, it's not ulcers or the TV, then it could be uh brain related, right? Mm-hmm. Then he said he may have had a stomach, uh, varicose vein, which could have been triggered the bleeding when he coughed. Uh, he got all sorts of tests done uh, cardiology neurology and he was also taken to see psychiatrists psychologists he wanted to see if there was any scientific cause to the problem however he was still part of the coven when all of this was happening uh, by this time by this time he was already 16 uh, since science could not uh, explain, they could not explain his health problems he was taken to see witches you know people who practice magic who could be able to see uh if there was a spiritual problem you know that was causing all this and many uh, but after this many supernatural occurrences started happening like you know kind of like poltergeist kind of stuff uh the light bulbs will be popping and so he was a parapsychologist and, uh, they said that, yeah, that he had poltergeist abilities, but, and he was puzzled, um, uh, about this. So he said that there was no way that he was doing this. Like it wasn't uh, illogical for him to be breaking, uh, light bulbs, you know, that he wouldn't be able to do this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh-huh. And, um, let's see, what else do I see here? uh But but they said that this is something that he was doing unconsciously, you know, like maybe not wanting to do it, but he was doing it. Uh, One time he was being treated, something strange happened with the light bulb and the expert told them to cut it out, you know, stop doing what you're doing. And Caesar told them that he wasn't doing, you know, during the sessions in which he was being assisted. Uh, since his problem did not have a scientific explanation, they said he could be swallowing the animal blood from a slaughterhouse maybe and throwing it up. But they did studies on the blood and it was determined that the blood did not come from an animal. So oh. it was it was later determined that it was his own blood. Um, then he was taken to the hospital again. So he thought someone in the coven may have been damaging him uh, he couldn't he didn't realize a uh, demonic legion had entered his body during the initiation ritual uh, mm-hmm. some witches even said they could not assist him because they noticed he had made a pact with satan uh, they noticed this because he was uh cleansed with a candle and they saw the image of a goat you know like a baphomet if you will then uh, from afar they saw a christian church you know so basically, the witches said, no, we cannot help him because he made a pact with Satan and all that. So uh, the family one day saw from afar a Christian church, and they decided to ask help there uh, for help there from a pastor. And oh. um, this was back in 1984. And the pastor said that he wasn't going to charge him any money because and at first they, this seemed kind of strange to the family because they had already paid uh, thousands of pesos to the other people who... wanted assistance from and who couldn't help, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, so uh, the pastor said that uh, they didn't charge for the services and uh, let's see, what else do I see here? Um, uh, You know, but there's something really screwed up here because uh, when the family members couldn't find any help, they said it would have been better if Caesar just died. So it wouldn't cause such a financial hardship on the family.
0: Uh-huh. You know, because
1: they couldn't find any help anywhere. And I said earlier, he had torn parts of his body. He levitated, you know, like you see with Reagan in the exorcist. Uh-huh. And every every horrible thing you could think about a possessed person is what happened in this case. Uh, the host of the show said that they look like uh, markings as if the. Uh, the boy would have been clawed by a tiger you know that's how bad the the his body looked
0: yeah.
1: Uh, yeah the marking they said in his arms they they ran from the forearm down to his hand and even his legs so back in 1984 uh pastor alvarez was back uh, from the states you know because he had studied some things here in the states and he learned Many things here, he had the experience to perform exorcisms. Uh, Back then, his ministry was only four years old. So, you know, it was a pretty uh, new brand new ministry. Uh, The Caesar case lasted four and a half years. Uh, He had exorcisms done, but the case took longer than usual since he would be kidnapped by members of the covenant. And then the pastor and his people would have to go there to rescue him. Uh, Caesar was very strong uh, in the exorcisms at first. Uh, He was seen at a different church, but the pastor there did not have enough experience to deal with this. Uh, There was a church member uh, there who was uh, over six feet tall and he couldn't control Caesar. You know, he was convulsing on the floor. Imagine that, you know, being so uh, possessed that even a six foot tall person could not restrain you uh the pastor moves on to say that uh, the case was also complicated since legions are composed of 600 up to 600,000 demons so imagine all those demons being haunted uh, me haunting you and among evil spirits and all that he had a uh, pitch white eyes he was salivating his face would get inflamed you know you could see his cheekbones getting pointy he would speak in tongues including uh, satanic tongues uh since all of this was recorded, they play the recordings. Um, he, they, when, they, when they play the recordings, uh, you know, they were analyzing the language and he was, in which he was speaking when he was possessed. And they noticed that it was Latin backwards.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And different demons would speak through through him, right? So they were having like a dispute and everything. And this kind of scared the pastor because this was, even though he had done exorcisms before, this was like the first uh, case of this nature, you know, that like he hadn't seen something like this. Uh, oh. So some strange things would happen at night and some things, you know, there are things that happened that Caesar did not remember because he was completely on a trance. And things like uh, the things like, cap. Uh, hold on. And, you know, like I said, the, these are Things that hap- The things that happened were similar to the exorcism film. Uh-huh. Uh, they, and then they had to show the recordings to Caesar so he, uh, so he could see how he was like when he was possessed, you know, because uh, he couldn't believe what they would tell him because, you know, they would tell him uh, how strong he was during his demonic possession.
2: Wow. <clears throat> so it's kind of like yeah. Reagan, but more screwed up.
1: Yeah. Since at first it was hard for him to leave the coven uh, since he made friends, you know, he had friends in the coven. So at first it was kind of hard for him to leave Uh, the coven and the coven refused to give him up since they had plans for him. Uh, This coven was made uh, to train a future satanic priest, you know, Uh, so the coven had a lot of plans for him. Uh, Caesar said that when he was kidnapped, he uh, they would make him swallow blood again to make another pack, but uh, secretly he would pray to God, you know, so that nothing else would affect them. And the members of the coven would ask him, "What is the white witch doing to you?" You know, referring to the pastor as a white witch, but he would tell him that he was actually a pastor. Uh, the pastor said he was severely affected by this case as well, since the satanic priest and a higher up devil actually went to him in a dream to threaten him into leaving Caesar alone. Uh, the pastor said he would liberate, uh, and they agreed that if he wasn't liberated within a certain amount of time, the devil would take him and his family. So, uh, it was like the pastor making a bet saying that, uh, he was going to be liberated. Which is kind of risky, but you know he has so much faith in God that Caesar will be liberated that he actually made this deal with this satanic priest and that devil
0: uh-huh.
1: yeah and um thank God Cecil was ultimately liberated and he is now a member of the church, and you know he shares his testimony
2: yeah that's that's very interesting actually,
1: yeah uh, I mean unfortunately a lot of the uh you know, the videos. this case is not available in English. It, it's in Spanish, so, you know, I took the time to uh, translate the, uh, you know, because I speak Spanish, so I, I took the time to translate the interview into English, you know, to share this as um, as a scary story on this Halloween thing.
2: Oh, we should probably check it out.
1: Yeah, it's actually quite a sad case. Um He's actually been part of other interviews. Uh, In one of the interviews, he said that when he was giving his testimony at a church, you know, one of these fake Christians who are hypocritical got so uh, pissed that he was saying all this, that he said uh, he cursed them out and then he grabbed a dagger or a knife and stabbed them right there at the church uh, stage. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he's also... um, He's also given a couple of opinions about uh, Japanese anime. In one of the interviews, he said that a uh, actually means greater than God. I mean, I'm not sure how uh, reliable this is, but, you know, this is part of his personal opinion. So, yeah, he's actually participated in various uh, interviews.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In, in Mexico, yeah, because he speaks Spanish. I'm not sure if he speaks English, but, yeah. He shares his testimony, you know, speaking to the camera, he, uh, his testimony was featured in a horror uh, TV show in Mexico with the late um, Juan Ramón Sáenz. He gave his testimony on this uh, spooky radio show, and uh, he also gave a testimony with uh, a journalist named uh, Lolita de la Vega. She's kind of like Alex Jones, you know, but she's the female Mexican version of Alex Jones. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so very interesting stuff. Uh this concludes uh the um uh, uh our Halloween special. Uh please let us know if you like the stories that we have to share. Yeah, it it took longer because you know, like I said, we shared two stories today. And like I said, there were many parallels in the stories because it was about two boys who got initiated into satanic covens and they suffered the consequences of joining these covens, but Ultimately, they both got out and now they live uh, normal lives. You know, it will be interesting if they ever uh, met each other in person and so they could share their their testimonies. Uh-huh. Yeah. So anything else you would like to add, Mike?
2: Um, not really, but, you know, what we shared, very interesting. And, you know, hopefully those guys are doing OK for themselves now and you know that their new religions are going to help them get through all of it.
1: Yeah, mostly uh Jesus class, you know, because they are men of faith and I know that uh all this their knowledge that they have and you know all their life experiences will help other people to stay away from satanism and to um, you know, live happy life.
2: Yeah, I have to agree
1: 100%. Yeah. So yeah, thank you guys for joining us today. Um, today is October 27th, so uh, Halloween is on um, Sunday, and I hope you guys have a safe Halloween. You know, if your kids are going to go trick-or-treating, make sure you um, you keep an eye on them. Don't let them go alone, because, you know, we live in a crazy world. Uh, examine the candy that they're going to eat, you know, before they put it in their mouths, because... Uh, You know, there have been cases in which there's tempered candy with needles or poison and all that. And we don't want any kid going through that.
0: Uh And also,
1: um, we're going to be going to a Halloween party at a bar in L.A. uh, with my sister's friends. So this should be fun. I think there's also going to be another party at the local uh, karaoke bar here across the street from where we live in. And, yeah, then we're going to go trick-or-treating with my niece and nephew on Sunday.
2: Yep. It's going to be very fun, but also kind of like, okay, I got to wear, you know, my costume three days straight.
1: Yeah, and uh, we want to do face paint because, you know, I'm going to be like a kind of like a Dia de Muertos kind of skull lady, so... Imagine wearing uh, my skull makeup three days straight. Uh, Mike, I think you're going to do something similar with your face, right? Like going to do King Diamond or Ghost? So what are you planning uh, on doing?
2: I think I'm going to do King Diamond, even though if you don't know who King Diamond is, check his music out, especially when he did Merciful Fate stuff. Like I'll say Don't Break the Oath album. That album is, wow, like way out there.
1: Yeah, so... Yeah, thank you guys for listening, and uh, we're going to record another episode. You know, uh, like we said during our last episode, we were going to have someone speaking about this uh, interesting case with social services and children. Uh, unfortunately, she has not been available, but as soon as she is, we will have her come to our show so she could talk to us more about this, which is uh, very interesting. hmm And uh, before we go, I just wanted to mention something. I don't know if you recall, but we started talking about the the sequel to my movie. We started recording it last weekend. Uh, This Saturday uh, in the morning, we're going to have a rehearsal, and then we're going to resume recording on the 6th and 7th of November. So that should be fun. Um, Good news is uh, my sister, Maribel, and my husband, you know, Mike, uh, they're going to have small parts in the movie. So, yeah, you'll be able to see them there.
2: Yep. I'm nervous, but I'm also excited at the same time.
1: Yeah, this is going to be Mike's uh first movie.
2: <laughs> My debut on camera.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you so much. And uh, tomorrow is Thursday. So, it's good. It's Friday Eve, you know. So, like I said, hope you have a fun time. And uh, for those of you who really love Halloween, uh, don't be sad that October is ending because we still have Day of the Dead, and after that we have Thanksgiving. So you know we have a chance to start pigging out <laughs> for the holidays.
2: Yeah, I can't wait for that. Even though I shouldn't eat too much candy because you know me.
1: <laughs> right. So anyway, uh, thank you guys for listening again and. We will have a new episode soon. Have a good night.
2: Yeah, we'll see you guys very soon. Have a wonderful night.
1: Bye.